Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome to Max Cast. I'm your host Nazia Habiba. Today we're joined by Alia Yusuf. Alia is a Vancouver-based portrait and documentary photographer. Her work brings underrepresented stories and histories to the fore, particularly those of Muslim women, uh, with the goal of subverting stereotypes in representation and increasing diversity in media and advertising. Her projects have been shown in solo and group exhibitions at prominent galleries uh, and festivals, including the Ryerson Image, uh, Image Centre, Gallery 44, the Par Parliament of Canada, Presentation House Gallery, and Nuit Blanche. Uh, she's been published and noted online and print publications, including Elle Magazine, Vice, The Globe and Mail, and Oprah Magazine. Her commercial projects with global brands, including Dove and Getty Images, have been displayed internationally, including in New York's Times Square and London's Piccadilly Circus. Alia holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in Photography and a Master's of Fine Arts in Documentary Media with distinction from Ryerson University. And she was recently awarded the Ryerson University Gold Medal. Assalamualaikum Alia, thank you so much for joining us here today. Welcome, Slim. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I've been lucky enough to explore your incredible body of work, uh, your most recent sisters, generations, and portrait projects. Uh, they so beautifully highlight the rich diversity of women, uh, namely Muslim women across Canada. And you're telling this untold story about who women should be and what a Muslim woman can look like. But why don't we take it back to the beginning? Can you tell us a little bit more about your upbringing and key points in your life that have just defined your values, your philosophy, and shaped the work that you do? Sure. Um, uh, also, thank you so much for going through my work and saying those kind words. Um, so it's funny to have a question that's uh, looking back at, at key moments in my life because I feel like <laughs> I feel like I don't know about about you, but it's so hard for me to pinpoint what those are. But I think since photography has been, you know, has been my entire life almost, it feels like it's been such a critical thing in my life. I might talk about, you know, the distinct moments that kind of shaped who I've become as a photographer and as a, a creative person. Um, so I moved to Canada from Egypt when I was eight years old, and um, I moved with my mom and dad and my two younger si siblings. My siblings are my sisters are five years and seven and a half years younger than me, and so um, they were only one and a half and three years old when we moved. So it was a bit of a chaotic beginning to our um, to our first few years in Canada. But I remember always being inspired by having my young, younger siblings and always kind of um, loving doing creative things with them as they were so young. And, you know, it's hard as like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old to connect with such young kids at the time. I remember I couldn't wait for them to grow up, but I remember doing things like pretending I was a magazine editor or a magazine photographer and like photographing them and, um, you know, getting, you know, playing around with like cameras and making things, um, making artistic things with them and having fun like that. Um, but it was only, it was actually when I was 14 years old that I started really discovering 
photography and myself as an artist. I um, I remember we had a digital point and shoot camera and we just had upgraded it to a better camera. And uh, one day we went to a birthday party for my younger siblings. Um, and my mom was like to me, hey, do you wanna just take a few photos and um, you know, see what happens, you know, just have fun with the camera. And then I remember taking it really seriously and being like so into this new camera and being like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really capture this birthday party um, and really get the, get the shots. And we went home that night and my mom was looking through the photos and she was like, wow, Alia, you did such a good job photographing this party. And like, look at this angle you got, look at this light you got, look at this moment you captured. And she was really like encouraging. And I think like that, you know, that encouraging voice of my mom after just kind of having fun at that event kind of like ignited, I guess, a curiosity with taking photos. So I just began kind of taking photos all the time. And I remember my first few photos were of my family, just kind of my mom and my sisters and I going to a park or something and like taking photos of them. And and soon my curiosity kind of bloomed into an obsession. And I kind of was going out every day, taking photos of like my siblings and like their friends. And like, so a lot of my early photos are of like, three four five year olds and like um you know me just being like this 10 11 year or I guess I, I was older than that I was 14 so they must have been a bit older but anyway of all these young kids because like it was the only people who I had like accessible to me um well during those times um but anyway yeah soon like I got super into it and began taking photos of like my neighbors like they were hiring me for family shoots and things like that and so it was really like when I think back at a critical moment in my life that developed um, who I am now, it's really like that time, that really beginning time when I picked up the camera, that kind of incredible amount of support that I received both from my family and and from like the neighbors in my neighborhood who saw uh, my interest in photography and then also kind of uh, garnered it and encouraged it by, you know, um, you know, giving me positive affirmations and, uh, you know, allow, you know, encouraging me to photograph them and, and, you know, just being super supportive. Anyway, um, so like that comes to mind. Um, and then another, I guess, moment was, uh, you know, not long after I began uh, taking it seriously. And um, I, my art teacher in high school was super supportive of me and encouraged me to uh, enter these photography competitions and year after year I entered them and I took them really seriously and each year I actually would either win first place or come in the finalist moments and that was really like a key moment that cemented for me how you know how I could actually be an artist and be someone who could use photography to tell stories and share the ideas that I cared about and that people were interested in hearing those stories. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, um, looking back, that was definitely a key moment. And of course, deciding to go to university for photography was a key moment because that once I went to university, you know, the rest is history. I started um, making projects that I really cared about and, you know, growing so much as a photographer. Um, but, you know, artistic and photography, um, as like art and photography aside, I think um, other key moment or other things that developed my values and my um, 
my philosophies, I guess. I, d I don't really know what to say in regards to philosophies. I'm like, do I have philosophies? <laughs> um, but um, I think like thinking about who I am as a person, I think I have a very strong internal locus of control. Like I feel very much like I'm in charge of my destiny and what happens. And um, like, I guess I really feel this, like I have the ability to make my dreams come true, whatever they might be, or my goals come true. And I think that really came from my mom and dad always kind of telling me I could do whatever I wanted as as much as long as I put the work in. And I remember my dad, when it came to time to picking universities, he was like, I don't care what avenue you go down, just uh, make sure that you are passionate about it and that you, you know, you you see your future and you see, you know, have goals in that field and actively work towards them. Um, and that was so wonderful to have that kind of um, support and encouragement and also for them to be so free with what I decide to do in my life or what what direction I wanted to go down and just to tell me, um, you know, you you have the ability to make that happen for yourself. So, you know, set, you know, walk that path and we're just here to support you. But this is kind of up to you where what direction you go down. Um, and another thing I think that really informs now my portrait photography is um, the empathy that I learned from my from my mom, um, I think. And uh, and also my time, I guess, growing up in Egypt as a child, I think I learned an incredible amount of empathy just being in that in that culture and in uh, just kind of learning so much about uh, different experiences that people go through and when I moved to Canada my mom was just so amazing about sharing stories of me and and keeping me informed about all different things in life and I think she's so empathetic that she modeled that so well for me and I think now being so empathetic I think that makes me a better portrait photographer and a better storyteller because I'm able to connect with people very in in a very strong way and um, in a very natural way. And I think um, that's so key for this kind of work. And so I'm so grateful that she was able to model that value for me because I think, you know, in a daily basis, it it it's so critical for me. So yeah, I think I think off the top of my mind, those are like kind of or key moments or key things that happened to me as a as I was growing up that kind of inform who I am and what I do now. That's great. Thank you so much, Alia. Um, and I think you know you really do see that that um, idea of empathy and the that intimacy in your work. Um, you know, across your projects, whether it's the solo photography or if it's um, looking at the histories of Muslim women across generations. Um, and you see a lot of that, um, you know, tying back to the idea of recording and celebrating birthdays and those really intimate moments that people have with their families, with their friends, with their neighbors. And you see that come out in your work and it's, it's very natural. It's very um, personal. It's very emotive that way. Um, can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about, um, and I, I know you spoke to this a little bit, but, you know, 
a lot of your major projects focus on telling specifically the underrepresented stories. And you, t- I know you tied back to your history coming from Egypt and your childhood. Um, and but maybe you could expand a little bit more on why that's important for you to emulate and bring to the fore um, and disrupt sort of some of the ideas we have about representation in media and culture. Totally. Well, when I moved to Canada at eight or Vancouver at eight, I remember my first day of school telling people that I was from Egypt and not really thinking much about it. Um, But um, it was very much a surprise to the other eight-year-olds in my class who, you know, the only thing they knew about Egypt was pyramids and, you know, kind of imagining sand dunes and maybe like the occasional hut or something on you know like that was their envisionment of of where I came from and I very quickly realized oh my gosh you know the Cairo or the Egypt that I know is so perceived so differently here and that was kind of like my first inkling that uh, my experiences or at least my norm aspects of my identity Sorry, I don't know if you could hear that beeping. It's the coffee maker. <laughs> I'm just going to say my experiences and my norm um, was going to be perceived very differently than I would have anticipated. And mm-hmm. so um, as I grew up through the school system, it wasn't really like my background being Egyptian that was really, um, you know, a topic of discussion or anything anymore. It was kind of like, you know, being in the school system not that long post 9-11, I think. Um, I was exposed to the ideas surrounding who Muslim women are through my uh, colleagues at school. Um, Like I remember, you know, when I would participate in Ramadan or I would, you know, not eat pepperoni pizza because of the pork or things like that, uh, I would get made fun of or get ask weird questions or, um, you know, even by the teachers at times were super weirded out by certain things and would make me feel like I was doing something unusual or, you know, even like barbaric at times, like the way that people would react, especially to Ramadan, I feel like Mm -hmm. that was definitely the um, kind of responses that I would get. And then as I went through high school, I feel like um, I would definitely hear terrorism jokes not so often, but often enough that it kind of would go into my subconscious that it was something that um, so many people had so many different ideas of what being Muslim was that didn't sit well with me, obviously. Um, And so I feel like I became very closed off about my identity to other people. Um, And you know, the, the media didn't help, of course, at the time. And that's why everybody was, um, had those ideas and had, and were making those kind of comments is because the media constantly reinforced these stereotypes and identities to, to the people I was surrounded by. And I remember, you know, as someone who was super into photography, I was constantly consuming media, especially magazines and things like that. And I remember always seeing pages and pages and pages of, um, you know, certain women being celebrated and certain women being put on beauty pedestals of what to what you should look like and um and then of course seeing a total absence of people from either you know 
the Middle East or, or, you know, anyone basically who wasn't uh, white, pretty much. Um, and of course, not really ever seeing a Muslim woman um, on in those pages. And so I think that invisibility, in contrast, of, in the, of the hyper visibility of negative representations made me like, uh, very closed off about that part of me. And so, um, you know, when I went to undergrad, I w then moved to Toronto and, uh, and suddenly I was um, exposed to such a multicultural city and um, those feelings kind of uh, went away and I kind of didn't really think about it as much anymore. But it was um, in my fourth year, my last year of my undergrad, I took a Women in Islam course and uh, we, because I was curious about representation dialogue and I was, I wanted to be exposed to more a scholarly understanding of, of what was going on um, with Islamophobia and with these representations and where did it come from and the history surrounding it. And I, it was such a uh, critical class for me or such an influential one. Um, and in that class, you know, I really started to think about my experiences um, growing up, but I also started just to think about representation in total. And then one day, kind of at the end of the semester, this woman said, this woman in the class said to, to the rest of our class, you know, I'm so tired of all Muslim women being painted with the same brush. And it was in that sentence that I was like, whoa, you know, everything came together. You know, it was like my experiences, what I had viewed, of the world, uh, the representations I had seen all my life, all of them came together and I was like, whoa, you know, why don't, we should do something about this. And so I just decided then and there in that moment that I wanted to make a portrait series because I was a portrait, portrait photographer since I was 14, um, a portrait series that would disrupt, as the word you use, disrupt that um that constant stereotype for that one-dimensional image i i just realized like i had the tools in my toolbox that i could diversify not only the idea of what we look like um but also diversify the, our understanding of you know muslim women's experiences you know our histories our passions our challenges um and you know yeah, and especially from the Canadian perspective as well, because um, I felt like the Canadian perspective, there, I didn't feel there was much of one of a, mm -hmm. of a perspective out there. So yeah, that that was kind of like I guess the story of how the Sisters Project came to be um, was kind of like it was a very long, but you know, it was a very long journey to that point. But at the same time, it wasn't like actively thinking about it for 10 years or whatever it was kind of like you know little experience here little experiences there and then accumulated to this point where I was like yeah I, let me do something about this great um and just out of curiosity how has the response been from uh the women that you've worked with or women who have um experienced your art and um you know now see this entire body of I believe you um, featured about 160 Muslim women in uh, the sister project. Um, so what, what has been the response like? Um, 
I'm very, the response has been great. Um, I'm so grateful for, first of all, you know, having 160 women decide that they want to be a part of this has been, you know, incredible for me. People have been so, the women in my project have been so generous with their time, with their stories, with their experiences, with their image. Like they've let, they've let thousands and thousands of people, dare I even say millions of people into their lives and into their stories. And so um, the reception I've received from them has been just incredible because, you know, when I meet with them and when I, when I photograph them, we discuss these issues naturally because they've decided to be a part of this project that's talking about these issues. And um, for so many of them, they share a similar experience to me where, you know, growing up, these representations affected them uh, in one way or another. And of course, like in certain instances, they had strong community that buffered their reactions to them. But in others like mine, you know, they weren't surrounded by a, a big Muslim community. So it was difficult for them to navigate those things on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been incredible. But outside of the people who um, have been a part of the project, I've just received incredible messages where people have said to me, you know, after following your project for this many years, you know, I felt seen and heard in ways that I haven't before, or I've, I've related to so many stories and being able to relate to stories that I consume is, is an incredible feeling for me, or, you know, um, people sharing that they've actually made connections themselves of people who are in the project, you know, something that's incredible. And actually this, I saw this just yesterday is that I see people who have been a part of the project um, connecting with one another and becoming friends, like people who would have never become friends normally. Like I remember yesterday I was on Instagram and I saw this one woman I photographed in Toronto is doing a book club with this other, <laughs> other person I photographed <laughs> in Vancouver. And I was like, what? The only way they've, they've met is because they're both people in the, in the project, both have been a part of the sisters project. And so, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so like connections in all different ways have formed, whether it be like actual friendships being formed or whether it be, you know, just finally seeing someone share an experience that you relate to um, in the media that you consume. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the reception has been extremely wonderful and I'm super humbled and, and grateful that that it's been received like this. Right. Uh, mashallah, like, um, it's amazing to hear that, you know, not only is your work kind of putting the stories out there, but also creating these opportunities for, for the participants to connect and for people to connect to them who are outside of the project as well. Um, now kind of moving on to a question, because you I know you've talked a little bit about challenges um, growing up as a Muslim artist and um, or, you know, as a Muslim in Canada, especially after 9-11 and some of the issues around how stereotypes and representation. Um, but, you know, moving into the, the space of being a working artist and a professional photographer, um, what are some challenges that you've faced as a Muslim in that domain, if any? Yeah, I would I would say because I'm not visibly Muslim, 
I don't believe that I've experienced challenges due to that because, you know, yeah, someone who who walks around and actually I, I feel I'm very like racially ambiguous as well. So I feel that I have a lot of privilege in that sense that um, people aren't labeling me uh, right away. And so therefore, I don't think that I've experienced a lot of challenges because I'm Muslim. Um, on the other hand, though, I think as a woman, um, I think there definitely have been challenges. And I think the industry uh, in general, it's very challenging for women. I mean, I saw a stat just the other day circling um, for International Women's Day, you know, sharing that even though women are like 80% or 70%, I forget the number of graduates in photography programs, mm -hmm. um, only 10% of the industry is actually women. So most of commercial photography, 90% of commercial photography is men. And so there's huge, it, it's just the, you know, the challenges women are facing in this industry, getting recognized, being amplified, being hired, um, and when they're being hired, you know, the difference in pay and um, and all of these different things is huge. And so I would say that is more so a challenge that I and many women in my industry face. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you think is some of the work that can be done um, to close those gaps? Well, um, you know, in, in the case of most industries, there's certain people who hold the power of who uh, gets to be behind the lens. And so, you know, photo editors, um, art directors, uh, you know, at all different levels, whether it be in publications or in brands um, and all these different avenues of photography, they I feel it needs to be prioritized. Um, to be hiring more women for these roles, especially women of color who are even more affected. Like these stats don't even cover what, <laughs> what percentage of our women of color who are in these um, spaces. And um, as well as that, I feel there needs to be more mentorship, um, especially in that beginning stage where people are graduating and entering the industry. I feel like that's probably where a lot of women are feeling like they just, it's so hard to get in. It's so hard to start. And um, I really believe that if there's more support at that critical stage to get women to the place where they're, where they're working regularly, that would be so important. So I think, yeah, I think it's twofold. I think people in power need to be recognizing these gaps and need to be actively working on um, evening out the playing field. And then I also feel like mentorship opportunities need to be more readily available for women and women of color to be able to get um, into these spaces where they're working professionally and they can share their perspectives. Um, something so important, I think, is that people are so focused right now on diversity in front of the lens, which is so important. And this is, you know, obviously something I'm super passionate about. Uh, like diversity in front of the lens is what I've been working on for the past like five years. But you don't get diversity in front of the lens if you don't have diversity behind the lens. And I think people forget that. 
is that it's so important to be hiring diverse photographers if you want a media industry that is more diverse. And so, yeah, this is really, I think, something that needs to shift. It's so critical, especially now, I think people, the media and advertising are, you know, actively making steps now to diversify who are in their campaigns, who who is who are in magazines, who are in, you know, mainstream media that we consume. But it's not yet, the conversation isn't yet at the place I'd like it to be, where people are actively talking about, okay, if we want that, what do we have to do so that the industry is more diverse and so that, you know, we can more you we can avoid tokenism and we can actually get to the place yeah. where where we have a more diverse industry as a whole. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, when it comes to tokenization and representation in um, the in media and in, in culture, um, you know, there's there's this notion of um, representation without really focusing on um, the intersectionality of um, of diverse bodies and diverse communities and what that truly means. Um, and there is sort of this broad strokes washing of just BIPOC individuals. And so from your experience, how would we move away from that and truly create representa- uh, representative media? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, from my experience, I mean, as I mentioned before, I really do mm. believe the people who are shaping media, the people who are, you know, writing about people, photographing people, making films about people, all these people who are, who hold the power essentially on how stories are told. I believe if they have understanding of, of this intersectionality of whoever they're, whoever they're profiling or writing about, or, you know, that you get away from tokenization with that step already. But I think what I really want to see more of is so often I see only two representations of people, especially I felt like as we saw, I feel like we're getting away with this, getting away from this a little bit now, but I feel like a few years ago when the media was really like actively trying to diversify more, um, they would just put people on pedestals. Like it was either like no representation or you would have like a Muslim woman and she was empowered. She was on a pedestal. She was, you know, it, she, it was basically like, you know, this like, look at this empowered woman, you know, and it was either one or the other. And, um, and I felt like there was no complexity in it. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that the way forward is to embrace complexity. Um, I feel so often people are stuck in binaries of positive or negative oppressed or empowered and once we get away from all of these binaries which only reinforce different stereotypes um then we truly can access the complexity of the and the intersections of people's identities and their stories and their experiences and so i truly believe that that's what we need to do with our storytelling is we need to get away from these binaries and embrace the complexity of people's stories i think we also need to stop asking people to speak for their entire communities and their yeah. entire identities because 
you know, once people can just start speaking for themselves, that's when we'll really see change. I mean, you never see people asking white people in the media, you know, answer this question. And by the way, we'll stamp it on your entire community after, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And like, as soon as we can actually get to the place where we're speaking to people and asking them for their personal experiences, asking people complex questions so we can actually understand them more, you know, this is when we're going to start to see representations that get away from this tokenism and get away from reinforcing just different stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So I really think that is, you know, what I would like to see next for for our media industry. And, and of course, as I mentioned before, um, at the very beginning, you know, I also want to see the d- diversity and complexity of the people who are holding the power of sharing these stories. So yeah, I think it's twofold, but I, I think that's how I would, what I would say. Great, thank you. Um, we're actually gonna shift a little bit um, and kind of move back to you. And uh, with the question of, was there anyone in particular who was an inspiration to you in building your work? I know you mentioned your family and um, the people around you who kind of lifted you up and really encouraged you to pursue your um, your art, your craft. and But was there anyone who, you know, you saw in, in the sector or um, in media who really inspired your work? Other photographers? Mm. That's a great question. Um, You know, I've, throughout different parts of my artistic career, artistic career, sounds so funny. Anyway, at at different points of my artistic journey, I've had many different people who I've looked up to. And so it's hard to define one person or, you know, even a few people who have really influenced me. But, you know, I truly think that for me, most of my influence comes in the conversations I have with people. So, you know, it was always, you know, I, I'm definitely influenced by people visually, but I think like when you look at my, my work, the biggest influence I have are from the conversations I've had while creating my work or before that, like at the beginning, as I mentioned, it was my mom and my sisters and the people around me who, who got me, taking that first step and then it was my art teacher and then you know but then once I started making the sisters project and um I started actually meeting people on a regular basis it wasn't necessarily other artists it was just having conversations with people about different topics that really influenced me in different ways I learned so much not about just art but I was learning about all different topics and all of these different conversations with people influenced me in different ways, inspired me in different ways and made me think in different ways. And I think it's in those moments where I am being challenged to expand my thoughts and expand my, my understandings of the world where inspiration strikes the most. Um, and so like an example of that is when I was going across Canada photographing for the sisters project because I went to 12 different cities in 2018 um going all across the country meeting people all across the country and um I remember 
being invited to all these different women's homes and meeting their families and meeting their communities and understanding about their communities and how their families came to Canada and their experiences and all of that. And it was in those conversations that I came up with the idea to do Generations, which is a photo series that explores the histories of Muslim communities through the female perspective. And uh, the photographs are these multi-generational family portraits and the interviews that go along with it are these multi-generational kind of biographies that go go along with the photos. And again, it wasn't like looking at a certain artist that made me inspired to do that project. It was actually in these just everyday conversations that I was super inspired to expand my work in this new direction. And so I, yeah, I have to say like, it's, it's really like life experience itself. Um, me pursuing my own curiosities and then meeting people based on those curiosities um that has inspired me the most in my work um but of course there are plenty of photographers who I look to for inspiration um but yeah but like I think my biggest inspirations actually don't come from looking at other artists it's it's just from you know exploring the topics that I that I am interested in and and the conversations and media I consume and all of that, that, that happens because of that. Okay. Thank you. Did I, uh, did I answer that question? Okay. No, I was like, absolutely. did I completely answer a different question? No, no, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, you know, you, you derive your, your inspiration from the people, the community and, um, and from their stories. So absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> it's your truth. awesome um so if you could go back this is actually a two-part question if you could go back in time and talk to a younger self what would you say and on that same vein what advice do you have for young folks who are interested in following a similar path um that's a great two-part question (laughs) (laughs) um i think if i could go back and um, speak to younger version of me, I would have two pieces of advice that come to my mind right now. Um, Mm -hmm. The first one being that I would encourage her to, to do things more for her own enjoyment and her own fulfillment, rather than trying to do things for external validation and, um, and like applause or you know positive affirmation or whatever you want to call it approval or you know um i feel you know i i feel like this is not just an artist thing but so much of the time um i feel like artists are always thinking about how their works can be received you know uh how <laughs> how successful is it going to be or like you know what do i have to do to make this you know all of these things that you think about, about the external other, like most of the time I was talking to my, like telling myself things and I didn't even have someone in mind that I was trying to like impress. It was just like this, you know, idea of what success had to look like and what I had to do to reach it um, for like this external other's view of me or whatever. Um, And I feel like that took me, that mentality has taken me down a path where I've come so close to burnout so many different times um, because I wasn't honoring, you know, 
I wasn't honoring me and what I wanted and what was giving me energy and what was giving me fulfillment. And so, yeah, if I could go back in time, I would tell myself to do things for myself more. And that may have not looked that different to what I've actually done. Um, because at so many different points in my work, I've been so happy, like I've loved doing what I've done, but I think that it was the intention and the mentality, I think, that I think could have benefited from being shifted a little. So to do things for my own joy. Um, and then I think the second piece of advice I would tell myself is to stop worrying so much about your career trajectory and, mm -hmm. you know, go have fun and travel. <laughs> now that we've experienced the pandemic, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, man, I wish I hadn't rushed into a master's degree. I, Ocean yeah. felt like I needed to rush to the next step of my career. And I wish I had enjoyed some time to, you know, travel and explore and do things for fun. Um, because, you know, after this, after doing this year in the pandemic, it's just kind of like, you think back to how you did things. And I'm like, for me, at least, I feel like, I definitely could have benefited from taking like a year or something to travel and do things just for myself. And so, yeah, that would be my two pieces of advice to my younger self. And I guess to answer the second part of your question, wait, you might have to tell me that question again. <laughs> uh, it's just um, what advice would you give to young folks who are interested in following the same path? Mm. I think I think the advice I usually I think of um, when I think of when you know when I'm doing talks or workshops and things like that and I have a, a younger audience um, the advice I always think to tell people is that for me I found I found my own I found the most success in my own work when I combined the medium I'm passionate about with a cause that I really care about. Mm -hmm. And I think like the, the merge of those two things together is a really exciting space because you get to pursue things you're curious about, that you're passionate about, um, that you care deeply about, and that will sustain your interest for a long time with a medium that you already love and that you get to, and that going down that path with that medium, you'll get to just, you know, do the thing you love to do um, every time you're working in that, working on whatever project you're working on. So combining your your medium of choice with a cause you care about, I think is always my number one advice to people. I think so often when I meet younger photographers, uh, they, they think that the way to reach success in their field is by just creating a portfolio of images that look like images they've seen um, in whatever platform they wanna end up photographing in or photographing for. And I actually always urge them to instead explore their own perspective, their personal perspective in life, which is made up of so many things like their gender, their race, their where they grew up, their education, their family, their, you know, all there's, all, there's so many different things that make up your personal perspective that's so unique to you. And so I always encourage them to explore their unique perspective 
and to channel that in whatever way possible because I think that's at this point like the media industry is so saturated with so many different photographers content creators you know there's so so many people and at this point I think it's really people are searching for unique perspectives rather than just good photos um and so that that's for sure the advice I would give to to um someone who wants to go down a similar path Amazing. That's wonderful advice. Um, and sadly, you know, we've come to the end of our episode, but uh, we'll end it on one final question, which is where can our audience members follow your work and learn more? Um, sure. Uh, they can find uh, my work on my website, aliayusuf.com, or find me on Instagram at aliayphotography. And if you want to find the Sisters Project and Generations, um, you can find that also on Instagram at the.sisters.project. Um, and you can also find it on the website, thesistersproject.ca. I think CA. Yeah, CA. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty much, you can find everything from all of those different places. It's, everything's kind of, all the links are are pretty much everywhere. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alia. So that concludes our episode for today. Um, thank you so much for generously offering your time and sharing your story with us today. Um, and thank you to everyone in the MaxCast audience. Uh, until next time, Salam alaikum.